My entire adulthood has been shaped by living abroad. I left my home country at 18, so all of my adult years has been spent abroad. So coming into my own has been another journey that travel has shaped, whether it is moving again to Paris and living on my own, navigating independence. I come back to the theme of learning how to be alone healthily a lot because I think that was the biggest lesson that I had to learn and I think that's the biggest thing that travel has taught me or given me is a gift of learning to be alone in a good way because I grew up in this concept of a very communal concept. I had a lot of extended family so I had never really learned how to exist on my own really. Hey everyone, welcome back to Flourish in the Foreign, the podcast that celebrates, elevates, and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad. I'm your host, Christine Job, a Black American woman currently based in Spain, and I'm not only a podcaster, but I'm also a business strategist. As a business strategist, I help Black women and women of color leverage their talents and their skills into viable and sustainable businesses that can take them successfully abroad, making them feel professionally fulfilled and also financially abundant. If you are interested in building a business abroad, then I welcome you to download my Build a Business Abroad guide at the website flourishintheforeign.com and also learn more about my business strategy services at christinejobe.com. If you are interested in moving abroad with intention, I have a guide for that. It is so important that when you go abroad, you are going abroad with intention, meaning you are cultivating a life well lived abroad. You are not escaping anything and you are not overly romanticizing what to expect. If you are looking to build a solid foundation for you to go abroad, sustain yourself abroad, but also thrive abroad, then download the Moving Abroad with Intention guide also on the website flourishintheforeign.com. So you guys know that I love this podcast. I feel you guys know that. And because I love this podcast and I love myself, I have decided to make this podcast seasonal. So that means you will not be getting continuous drops from me. The podcast will end season one with over 50 episodes soon, but I'll, I'll definitely let you know when it's the last episode. And then we will go on hiatus, an official hiatus this time. And then we will launch season two. In the spirit of wellness and thriving, I need to do that because this podcast is a labor of love, but it is serious, serious labor. So I already have some ideas for season two and season three. Now that I'm going seasonal, I have all these ideas about what I want to do, but I would love to hear from all of you about themes, about people, about places, Whatever you want to hear, this is the time to let me know. So be sure to reply to any of the emails that I send out. Hit me up on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and let me know what you want to hear on the next season of Flourish in the Foreign. If you are interested in joining the Flourish in the Foreign book club, 
Well, you need to sign up for it because we're going to be having a kickoff meeting. So you definitely want to join us. Our first book is going to be In Every Mirror She's Black, which is by Flourish in the Foreign guest Lola Akamande Akstrom. And so you will definitely want to join us for that. Also, if you're a member of the book club, we will be having a discussion with the author in November. How about that? I know, I'm super hype about it. If you want to join in on not only the book club, but also the discussion with the author, you need to be signed up for the book club because only registrants of the book club will be given the meeting details for our kickoff meeting, but also our discussion with the author. So if you are interested in joining our book club, come on down. I'm super excited. I haven't really been reading as much as I used to in years past. So I think this is a really great initiative for me, at least, to get back to reading. And I've already started in Every Mary She's Black, and it is good. So if you want to join us, be sure to sign up for the Flourish in the Foreign Book Club. I have some incredible news, y'all. We have been nominated again, this time by the Black Podcasting Awards in the category of Best International Podcast. This is such an incredible honor, and I am so humbled and so hyped about this. Gosh, I've worked so hard on this podcast, and truly just your reviews and your emails and your kind words have been so fulfilling and supporting the podcast financially has been wonderful, and now to get this kind of recognition just feels, it just feels wonderful. So we did it, y'all. We did it. And so this incredible award-nominated labor of love is still, yes, labor nonetheless. So please support this here podcast. If you love this here podcast, you can do so by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash flourish foreign. You can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash flourish foreign. You can cash app the podcast via cash app at dollar sign flourish foreign. You can purchase a piece of production equipment via our Amazon wish list, which you can find on the website flourishintheforeign.com slash support. You know, Every episode I mention, if you are interested in starting your own podcast to definitely join the WOC Podcasters membership, I am a member of that membership. I've been getting a lot of questions specifically about how I created and started A Flourish in the Foreign and how to really successfully launch a podcast. So I have decided to team up with WOC podcaster, founder, and podcaster extraordinaire, Danielle Desir, and we will be putting on a workshop for all of you to discuss how we start our podcasts and how to successfully launch a podcast. So if you're interested in learning about tips and tricks and tools and all the things you need to think about if you want to launch a podcast, definitely join us. It is going to be October 23rd at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Central European Time, and you will need to sign up for it via the link in the description of this episode, on the website, in the link in the bio, and across social media. 
So again, please sign up for it. If you're on the email list, I've already sent you an email about it. So check your email, but it will only be open to the people who sign up for it. So if you are curious or if you're really serious about podcasting, how to have a successful podcast, join us. I also want to thank all of you that have written reviews of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please keep them coming. And make sure that you are sharing this podcast with all of your friends, all of your family, and across all of your social media channels. All right, on to the next episode. Today's guest is Davida, and she has a podcast too. Her podcast is like, no lie, one of my favorite travel podcasts. I think it's max like five or maybe eight minutes, obviously very different from this podcast. And she just has incredible voice and she paints such an incredible scene with her stories. It's called Wonders of Wanders. It is really, really great. So yes, I plugged her podcast before I even introduced her. But I'm really excited for you to get to know Davida because I think her perspective of being a Ghanaian woman living in London is just really interesting. I think we had a really great conversation, but I'm going to let her tell you all about it. My name is Davida and I am currently based in London, England. My hometown is Ghana. And I was 18 when I left to um, move to London. When I was growing up, we lived in my grandma's house as children, cousins. And in the evenings, she would uh, gather us and uh, feed us roast corn and tell us um, Anansi stories. And if you're familiar with the Anansi stories, you know that there are all these sort of didactic tales told to to children. And it's full of the antics of the spider. And so my grandma would tell us that and she would kind of weave in her own little tales as well. And it kind of gave me an ear for just learning and listening to good stories. And for me, it became like this routine in the evening, this heartwarming evening routine post dinner, that lull between when you finish dinner and before you go to bed. So those were like the early days of um, listening to her stories and the stories of sometimes aunties and uncles, visiting aunties and uncles who would maybe add their own little spin to it. So those planted that seed of storytelling in me. And then over the years, we would take road trips between Accra and Kumasi. And so out on the road, you're just kind of watching the world whiz past the mountains, the greenery, livestock, all of these things. And I just became this sort of child that would disappear into my head, making up stories of the places that we were passing, the towns and villages. So yeah, those were like the early seeds of Wanderlust that got planted in me. I asked Davida to tell me about how she felt leaving Ghana, landing in London and getting settled in London. When I moved from Ghana, I had just finished my senior secondary certificate exam. I think people might know it in different parts of the world as A-levels. So I'd come off of that little college, as we call it here in the UK. So I I was already kind of living through that relief of finishing like your, you know, major exam and then that exhilaration of, okay, I'm about to go to university. You finish in August 
and then you go to university the following September. So you, like you kind of have a, about a year or so. So I moved to London the January of that. So five months after I finished and it was a, a massive <laughs> shock more for the weather because I'd never lived outside of Ghana. I mean, all I knew was, uh, you know, the, the warmth of um, the Ghanaian the Ghanaian sun and I came in the thick of winter I arrived in January and everything was gray and dreary and super cold that was like that initial shock and people were driving on the other side of the road so I mean it was all very disorienting in the beginning but um I still objectively speaking think I had a, a much softer London because I had family here so they kind of folded me into that you know settling in I didn't have to really overthink anything. The decisions were made for me. I'm going to register with a doctor to get your national health card, registering to get your national security so you could start working. All of these things where I didn't have to really think, to be very honest, because fortunately my parents were very much involved in um, settling me into this new life. So I would say the initial landing was soft, but over the months, when I started working, I, I was working my way and saving to go to university later that September. So it was when I started working that I kind of, I suppose, took that initial steps into independence and sort of learning to navigate this new world. And life just became this blur of just kind of feverishly working so that I could build a backlog of savings for university later on. So that first year was a bit, I would say somewhat alienating because I just left what was familiar all my friends and kind of settling into a new world where I didn't really have ready-made friends so I was sort of learning the ropes of trying to build community again and that was a bit it was quite lonely because I didn't really have friends then so I think it was at a pivotal time where as a young adult you you're kind of coming into your own as an adult but at the same time you're you're still <laughs> quite tender you're still a child in in a way so yeah so that early days that first year was a bit you know navigating this this tightrope of adulthood but not quite adulthood <laughs> I asked Davida to tell me about her experience attending university and whether or not she had the opportunity to study abroad yes so when I moved to London I I moved here and then I, I came to university in Middlesex and for my undergrad, I did journalism and communication studies with French. So that language element offered me the opportunity to do a semester or a year abroad. So I picked the year and I chose Paris, France. So I had the option of going to, I suppose, any sort of French speaking country. And for me, Paris was kind of close enough to home, but still enough to give me a a supreme fish out of water experience because it was my first time really really living outside of home even though I'd gone to boarding school previously but this was the first time moving to a completely different country different sort of culture and you know different language barriers so so I, I ended up spending my third year abroad and living in, in Paris and basically soaking myself into the the Parisian way of life. I wanted to know more about David's experience studying abroad in Paris. I loved Paris for probably all the reasons I didn't particularly like uni in London. It was a chance to not really be rushing around trying to get from work to uni and whatnot. It was like this year of real exploration. 
and meeting people and actually like living in student accommodation all the little things that i didn't really get to do up until that point in my in my london university life so it was a very um life changing experience and an opportunity to just get to know myself it was the first time i was really living on my own as an adult and how to decide what i like what i want to spend time on how to be alone as well like i think that was one of the most important lessons because up until then i'd also been this sort of person that i, I always wanted community but there was this dark side to it where if i didn't have somebody to do something with then i would simply probably just end up not doing something that i really wanted to do and so going to paris and initially just being anonymous in the city really forced me out of that that comfort zone of always needing somebody to accompany me or to do something fun or whatever so it was like my chance to really embrace that how to be alone in a healthy way so i really loved paris and of course it came with its own frustrations because if you're in a completely new system there will always be some aspects of it that are challenging there was a language there was just that whole french bureaucracy has its own headaches to it and and also just getting to meet and interact with so many different people during my my year in paris i met friends from all over the world and at some point i was actually realizing i was speaking more english than french because english became like this common language that we all shared even though we were all there for a variety of reasons i mean mine was to actually immerse myself in the culture and learn the language and then i realized david you you're speaking a bit too much <laughs> english in paris so then i would rein it in and try to have conversations in french so i mean it was a year that really taught me a lot about how to basically celebrate differences because i had friends from serbia from jamaica from california from bulgaria i mean from greece and then me from ghana there was somebody from zimbabwe i mean it was like my first kind of melting pot of oh this this is like what i've been missing from my university experience so so paris became for me that city that i i feel that i i came into my own as a young adult so and that's why you know for for the longest time if if you met me probably within the first 2 minutes i would somehow slip it in because it's like it was a city that i held in such high regard i always say i didn't really have the quintessential uni experience because i worked my way throughout university probably except for the year that i was in paris apart from that i was working so my university experience was really shaped by that blur of rushing from work to lectures to like a seminar or something then back to work so i didn't really have that that quintessential going to uni enjoying your your freedom going to like a party or whatever living on campus and then i also found there was a lot of subtle differences between somebody like me that was ghanaian had come from ghana and other people like even other ghanaians who were like black british people like i i felt like there was a massive divide i couldn't really relate to them and they couldn't relate to me it so so that was like a small heartbreak for me because i always thought oh I taken it for granted coming from Ghana that people everybody's connected to everybody somehow by the time you've you've gone through like church after school clubs secondary school all of that by by those times you kind of have a loose idea that if you enter a particular space in a, like a social setting you might know somebody in the room and so suddenly I was in this completely new culture where I would go to things and I didn't really know anybody so I kind of felt a bit alienated from people that I thought I would find a natural affinity with So that was another 
unraveling really for me and I, I, I suppose I didn't really have all the words or the maturity to really process what was going on but for the most part university was quite a lonely experience for me from that perspective. So Davida decided to go on for her master's and so I asked her to tell me about that experience and how it was maybe different than her undergrad experience. By grad school, I mean, I had become a, a more mature, more self-aware person. I was in my late 20s. I studied responsible tourism management at uh, Leeds Beckett University. So Leeds is up north in England. I didn't really go into grad school with the mindset that, oh, I'm here to kind of build, like make friends and have that carefree university life that I, I imagined undergrad to be. With grad school, I kind of went in knowing that I'm probably going to have my my head inside my books all the time because it was that intense. It was one year, probably something that should have been spread over two years, really, in in hindsight, because the way it was super intense. Again, with the benefit of, I guess, hindsight and age and more experience, I I realized that that was probably another extreme, really, because then I finished and I I have this feeling sometimes I didn't really take my head out of my books long enough to kind of experience the region that I was in, which, you know, there's got to be balance. So I think age and experience is teaching me that you have to have some kind of balance in whatever stage or season of life that you are in. I mean, have the primary goal, of course, but don't be so tunnel vision that you can't really enjoy what's around you as well. I asked Davida to tell me about the origin story of Wonders of Wonders and how she became a travel writer. After my master's is when I feel like I properly immersed myself in the travel industry. So by day I was working in travel and by night I suppose I, I was still doing my, my blogging but not not the wonders of wonders that people kind of know now because I always had a blog from when I lived in Paris. But yeah, a lot of people are surprised that I am in travel by day and by night. <laughs> it's not a, like a little side thing that I do on top of my day job sort of thing. I always say for me, travel is both personal and professional. So Wonders of Wonders is my travel, food and culture platform, which is dedicated to people, places and palettes. So these are the three P's that I tend to work with. One of my travel philosophies is people make places. And it's become this space where I want to use the power of storytelling to show that um, travel is transformative. It's, it's a beautiful experience. It's where you can experience joy and growth, self-love, uh, so many of the good lessons that life life can teach you. So Wonders of Wonders is that space. And it's about 12 years ago when I had my old blog, then I was writing more from that perspective of a storyteller. I, I thought to myself, I would love for people to ex- like experience the story in my voice. Like, I mean, to read it to them in the way that I've written it. In person, I can be very... Um, tongue-in-cheek, very, you know, humorous, cheeky here and there. And sometimes I feel that if somebody doesn't know me from Adam off of the internet, they might not necessarily get that. So way back when, when I had the old blog, I thought, I wonder if I, anybody would be interested in this sort of thing where I read the thing that I've written. So you have the option of either press and play to listen to it or keep reading kind of thing. And then I toyed with the idea for ages and then I thought, I'm going to just give it a shot. Like, I mean, sometimes you you get to this point where you overthink your own creative ideas and then you think, oh, it's not a whatever. You don't give it any room to grow. 
So rather than talk myself out of it, which sometimes I'm, I'm warned to do, I didn't overthink it. Like I think one day I announced it on Instagram and then I just put the first episode out. I'm a chronic overthinker, so <laughs> I didn't give myself a chance to overthink it out of bringing it to life again a second time. So I just put the first episode out and the response just blew me away and I'm like, oh my gosh. So suddenly something that I'd spent years and years honing in terms of learning to be a storyteller in through the written medium with a podcast has suddenly projected it to people's consciousness in a different way. And I'm thinking, oh, it's sort of like an overnight success that took 15 years or so in the making. So it's not really overnight. But uh, so, yeah, it just became this space where I'm literally just reading the thing that I've written. And coming up in this season where podcasts are very, very much a part of our daily lives. I mean, I listen to podcasts. So I realized that I love listening to podcasts. So why don't I make this into a, a storytelling podcast it's going to be short it's going to be sweet it's not too much commitment the stories you know that i write are not long stories they, they're probably on the podcast it's probably like three to five three to six minutes if that was my chance to be in your ears so to speak <laughs> and i've been blown away by the response it's been amazing i wanted to know a couple of davida's most memorable trips thus far a recent experience would be Puerto Rico. I went to Puerto Rico in February of 2020. And uh, yeah, I just, I think it was my first time kind of in the Caribbean. So I was very fascinated with how similar our foods were between like Puerto Rico and, and Ghana. I realized there's a lot of synergies and things that I'm used to, ingredients that I am used to on my on my palate, my, the palate that has been nurtured from like my Ghanaian upbringing, used in the way that Puerto Ricans might make a particular thing. So like the humble plantain, suddenly you can do so many other different things that I hadn't really seen from my perspective. So I was very fascinated by, by how food travels in different ways and different reincarnations you can have of the of a very humble ingredient so yeah Puerto Rico is probably one of um, the recent examples where I feel like I've had a, a really lovely culinary experience another trip that stands out in my mind is Greece and um, the first time that I went to Greece to Kefalonia and I think this trip was a big deal because uh, this is the first trip that I drove abroad. <laughs> so again I'm not somebody in London I don't really drive often so so the, the thought of driving abroad really scared me. So when I ended up in Greece and it was like I needed a car, I was like, OK, David, you're going to have to do this. So again, it was like a little, just a little concept of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and and just kind of trusting, trusting God, trusting the process and just embracing what the journey can teach you. So for me, travel has become this thing that I've ended up using to confront a lot of the fears that I've I've held really about the world, about being alone, just learning to let go, not, you know, think you have this rigid control over over anything really, to let go and let God really. Hey, I hope that you are enjoying this episode of Flourish in the Foreign, and if you are, please consider supporting the podcast by either becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash flourish foreign, tipping the podcast via cash app at dollar sign flourish foreign, buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash flourish foreign, 
or purchasing a piece of production equipment via our Amazon wishlist at flourishintheforeign.com support. I also want to invite you all to check out the plethora of resources that I've compiled for you all at the website flourishintheforeign.com resources. You will find a book list to help you get, stay, and thrive abroad as well as the Build a Business Abroad Guide and Moving Abroad with Intention Guide. All right, let's continue the show. I was curious to know about David's experience being a Ghanaian woman in London. What I would speak on between me then, back then as an 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, navigating that and what I've come to experience now as a now that I've settled a lot more into my identity here and found different you know sub communities I think it was it was very very different for me in the beginning like I said I didn't really find anybody that was quite like me in the early days i.e they had also had been born and bred in Ghana had all their education up until that point in Ghana and then moved to to London all the people that I met in uni who were of Ghanaian heritage were born here, like born in the UK. So they had different points of experiences to me. And, and I think there's a certain aloofness that I think both camps could hold. Like, I mean, I was sure in my identity as, as Ghanaian in terms of I didn't feel lost or whatever. And so were they. So I think it was one of those points where you're just not finding some other points of connectivity. And as I said, I, I'd taken for granted that I, because I'm very um, open person, I'm quite a chatty, social, whatever. So I'd taken it for granted that I would slide quite easily into this this new culture, a new phase of life. And it didn't really happen that way. So I didn't really know how to navigate it. And then it was compounded by having to work. So then not really having time to socialize anyway. Whereas if I compare it to now, especially having embrace travel as a priority and through that having found people that share this this passion and this calling i've found that i have a greater affinity to to these groups of people and it doesn't even matter where they are coming from like it doesn't matter where their blackness is from i i've found travel to be more of a a universal language that we can all speak and share different aspects of and embrace different nuances of so i think this has been one of like the biggest points of connection in terms of just being able to find community with with other black people in London. I asked Davida if Ghanaian politics still affect her while she lives in the UK. So I have family in Ghana and on average I've gone back at least once every year since I've lived outside Ghana. So it's still very much a part of me and, and a part of how, like the future that I, I see myself. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you immediately when I would move back to Ghana or, or whatever, because I'm flexible about where God is going to take me next. But um, in the everyday, I'm plugged into, um, on Twitter, I'm plugged into Ghana Twitter. So I see daily what the conversations are, my best friend of 20 21 years is in Ghana we talk practically every day so of course I'm not in the everyday life I'm not physically there or whatever but things that happen in the country I'm monitoring I'm looking at I'm thinking oh gosh how is this affecting the common person how is this affecting my family my grandma is still in Ghana my brother I have aunties uncles like 
close cousins, all of that. I'm not in the position where I can pretend I don't care what's happening in the country and I would never put myself in that type of position. It's a country that formed me, so it's still very much a, a part of how I navigate life and the concern I have for family that's still there, friends that are still there, the everyday person. I wanted to know what David's thoughts were on the Ghanaian government's Year of Return initiative that happened in 2019. The Year of Return, I think from the perspective that it was almost like a pilgrimage back home for our brothers and sisters who were enslaved from that perspective of their descendants coming back home i can appreciate it from that perspective i've spoken to different people and some people had really kind of spiritual experience of going back home or back to ghana and some people are moving back even but i don't know i feel there are different elements to it because some people on the back home that live in ghana have a very different perspective of the year of return as a marketing initiative that it was in 2019 some people felt that it didn't really filter down to the everyday ghanaian that it was marketed at african americans but the people on on the on the ground weren't necessarily involved. I mean, I'm not on the ground myself, so I've tried to listen more than participate in terms of, you know, sharing strong views on either side. But as somebody that has often gone back home and is some somebody that's in tourism, interested in travel, all of these things, I can see I suppose some of the areas that we could improve, we could do better, we could develop better tourism offering around like the Ghana travel experience. But yeah, it's a bit hard to say because I I feel like different people have different perspectives. People had amazing times. Some part of my problem has been that um it seemed to be more about um the partying aspect of December in Accra or whatever with the various like music festivals. All of which of course fun is a good thing, but I think there's some parts that missed that deeper spiritual element of the year of return what the significance of that for the descendants of enslaved people what that trip what that trip should have been i mean i've spoken to a few african american people who like either in the process of moving or they've had like really amazing experiences they've connected deeply to Ghana since they they went like last year and so they are especially right now in this pandemic and looking at like where do I want to even base myself as a person like a lot of people a lot of african americans are moving to certain places on the continent and especially in ghana because the government is kind of pushing that concept of welcoming people back home and I, and i don't get me wrong i think ghana is a beautiful country it's a friendly country and it it has a, a long history of welcoming african american people to live and to invest in the country and all of those things so that's not something that I I wouldn't necessarily say is a bad thing or or whatever but I think there is an element where people on the other side I mean people who are like born and bred in Ghana live there work there whatever feel that um they live in a different Ghana to what is being marketed and so there's no one right side or one wrong side because like we say it's everything is nuanced so how like where do we draw the line and where do we kind of ensure that the host people like which is the 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 Ghanaians who live in Ghana and live and work and all of that host people 
feel that they are part of this new drive to open the country up to people in the diaspora to come come there like i don't know i'm very aware of the 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 tendency to romanticize a place because you don't necessarily live there and i'm very careful to not do that even for me as a even as a ghanaian who i'm very aware that i'm a ghanaian that does not live in ghana so i try to be careful of the positions that i take on on these things there's some sensitivity that that needs to be attached to kind of discussing this because i think there's some friction the way i see there's some friction between people that live in ghana and like the relationship between them and returnees i would say so i don't know yeah i have a lot more to say about this and i'm still i'm still like de- deciding where do i want to put these thoughts like do i want to write a whole post about it or what so i'm still like without giving too much away i'm still thinking where where is an appropriate because I, I have thoughts i have thoughts about this but maybe it's something that i should um flesh out it better in a in an article davida is a founding member of the black travel alliance so i asked her to explain what the black travel alliance is and does and why you all should know all about it the black travel alliance we are a group of black content creators, black travel content creators who got together and founded this organization to seek more meaningful representation of black travel content creators around the world because as we've all seen and especially in the wake of George Floyd's brutal murder, something that a world in lockdown was forced to watch because we were all just stuck at home. I think there was a very visceral reaction that the entire planet had to it so and we we saw how quickly brands and companies and whatnots jumped on the black lives matter bandwagon and again some of them displaying that it's all very performative is tokenistic so we we've, we've got together to basically demand better for black travel content creators and we want meaningful representation in the travel industry and we're looking specifically to start with five main areas that include employment, conferences and trade shows, paid marketing, travel storytelling, press trips, all of these big areas that filter into whose voices get heard. Because we we're trying to say that travel is like the one industry that should represent all the diversity that the world is. I mean, <laughs> and yet it's still dominated by typically white voices. What are we saying? Do our stories not matter? So we've got together and we just want to empower black content creators, black travel content creators through resources, webinars, programs, and at the same time advocate for greater representation. Many people have seen the pull up for travel campaign that we launched and seen some of the responses that the brands had and if not um please by all means please go and check our website um www.blacktravelalliance.com and join us in in this fight and this is open to black and non-black creators companies brands basically anybody within the travel space that wants to be part of this change you are welcome because this work is not only for black people to do but is work that in that needs allies that needs people to also step up and say hey this is not this is not good enough we need to do better so please um check out our website and our socials we're on Instagram at the black travel alliance 
and be part of the change that you want to see, the diversity that the world should reflect, even in the travel and travel content that we consume, that the mainstream media feeds us, because these stories matter too. I asked Davida to give some of you who are interested in becoming travel writers, travel content creators, some advice on getting started. One of the things I'll say is don't minimize the contribution that you can bring. I mean, the contribution that your voice can make, because sometimes people people talk themselves, and I'm saying speaking this from my own experience, because I'm Sometimes people talk themselves out of something before they even begin. Like you're thinking, oh, travel blogging is such a saturated industry or, or whatever it is or whatever it is. And, and your superpower is in your individuality. That's your superpower as to how you're going to communicate it, whether you do it by by writing or by like doing a vlog, doing a video or podcast or whatever. Like that's always that's secondary. The, the superpower is in your individuality and nobody Absolutely nobody can tell your story or can put a spin on things in a unique way that you can. So first of all, do not talk yourself out of adding your voice to the plethora of voices out there. There's strength in numbers. The more of us there is, the better. So that's one thing I'll say. Another thing is don't overthink. Honestly, don't overthink. Just give your creative ideas room to breathe. Like just set it on fire (laughs) and let it out there. Do it just do it basically another thing document 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 um however you choose to document your travels whether even if you're not necessarily starting your blog yet i think the the power is in having that point of reference so if for you documenting is putting little things on video you don't know when they'll come in handy put it on there if it's about keeping a journal and writing your your I'm, I'm old school. I tend to have a journal and, I'm, and I'm, I write things down. Like I literally write things down. I write how I'm feeling, what I'm, I look at sceneries and literally try to write it down. Like this is what this scene is. I describe things. I, it's part of um, keeping myself, um, keeping myself on the ball. So in my, in my phone, I have like on my notes app, I've, I have little quotes that have just come to me in my head, like, oh, this sentence is good. I don't know when I'm going to use it, but I make a note of it. So I'm very, very big on documenting. And it's something that I, I really would love to pass on to other people. Because again, with travel, travel blogging, travel writing, you'll find that there's a lot of cliched expressions and stuff. So, and because we are reading a lot of the same things across board, like you kind of see a lot of the same things in different places. So if you start documenting and writing things in your own voice, in your own whatever, you, you realize that the, there's a lot of beauty in how you are describing the thing because it's your voice. It's not really a regurgitation of what somebody else has written. So document, document, document. Another thing that I would I would advise people to do is to find the right communities. I mean, there's lots of black travel movements happening right now. Um, in the UK, I can talk of black travel creators, there's a black British travel meetup, of course, um, Nomadness. There's a uh, black British bloggers. I mean, find like the, the right community for what you're looking to do. Oh, there's Afro bloggers as well. There's a lot of like different blogging groups. So be part of community, plug yourself into communities and, and events, attend events. I mean, that's something I've, I've consistently done over the last few years. I've gone to travel conferences, put yourself out there. Because as I always say, if you don't say I am, nobody will say you are. You have to put yourself out there and things are not necessarily going to 
fall on your lap. So you have to literally go after some of the things that you're looking to do until maybe you'll get to the point where people start just recommending you in rooms that you may not know, know of. But in the beginning, you'll find you have to kind of go after the things that you that you you really want to want to do and don't be afraid i think fear is fear is a very potent energy if you give it that power and in this day and age people are kind of overstimulated almost like you go on social media and you're bombarded with so many different like illusions and ideals that you 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 just start to think oh maybe i'm not up to this task or whatever i really say like focus on your lane and be consistent in that lane and the right people the right the right crowd the right brands will align with you but you have to define for yourself what that lane is going to be how that fuses with your interests how that fuses with your passions and how that fuses with the consistency that you should attach to the work that you're doing because if you're not interested in it or if you're only approaching it from the perspective of how much money you can make from creating the content you might give up very quickly because content creation is no joke. It's a massive, massive labor of love, but it's labor nonetheless. So be sure that this is something that you really want to do and put the passion and the profit will come later. I asked Davida, what was her definition of wellness and how had living abroad and also traveling abroad influenced her concept and also practice of wellness. My definition of wellness is feeling peace. I think peace is like one of my barometers of, of just doing a test with myself. Like, how do I feel? Am I at peace? I, it's a question I ask myself often. And that peace, I mean, it's, it's very hard to define, but for me, part of it relates to my, my personal relationship with God. I'm a Christian, I believe in God, and I believe in the power of prayer, and I believe in that fellowship and meditating on, on, on that aspect of things. And, it, it's a, and it's a huge part of where I find peace, even in the midst of proverbial shit hitting the ceiling. <laughs> I find a lot of strength in, in that relationship. And, and even in, in pushing forward, if life is not going exactly the way I planned it. It's is the is the backbone to the optimism that I, I live life with. It's the backbone to the light that people are always commenting that they see in me and this aura that people always tell me that I possess. It's because I just I believe very strongly in that God is going to turn everything for my good, for the good of the people that I love. So in terms of living abroad, and because my, my entire adulthood has been shaped by living abroad, I mean, I left my home country at 18, so all of my adult years has been spent abroad. So coming into my own has been another journey that travel has shaped, whether it is moving, moving again to Paris and living on my own, navigating independence. I come back to the theme of learning how to be alone healthily a lot because I think that was the biggest lesson that I had to learn and I think that's the biggest thing that travel has taught me or given me is a gift of learning to be alone in a good way because I, I grew up in this concept of a very communal concept I had a lot of extended family so I had never really learned how to exist on my own really and yeah travel has been that route and living abroad has given me that that tool to to be able to do that. I asked Davida if she had a motto to live by and it 
was a word, y'all. It really affected me. It's something I wrote down. The best motto that, um, it's something that my, my mother always used to say when we were growing up, but I think this season has really been a definitive one for me. And is this expression that she always had, which is, if you don't say I am, nobody will say you are. So is that power of I am. So I have to decide that if I use I am, whatever is coming after I am has to be positive, has to be affirming, has to be intentional. So part of what the pandemic has caused and complete upside down with like my career along that path of travel, where, where do I want to go? What is there even going to be much of an industry to pursue for somebody like me that this is a career trajectory. It, it, it wasn't just an addition to something I was doing that was completely different. So I've realized that in the pandemic, I've learned to even embrace the concept even more that I am a travel writer. Granted, we're in a you know global <laughs> pandemic and life is upside down, but I am a travel writer. This is where I find my most joy, my most I'm at my most peaceful when I'm engaging in, in this work. So if even that, like the fact that despite being in the industry for years, I didn't really see myself that way until like now that things are upside down, finally claiming, I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> you could have claimed it a while ago. But even then I find this strengthening that like, okay, I'm claiming this for the first time, even though things are completely wild. But um, after claiming it, I've just settled into a, a kind of peace and goes back to what I was saying about peace. It's a barometer that I use a lot. It's like, oh, I feel peaceful about this. Then it's like, to me, that is like, Holy Spirit, like confirming something in my spirit. And I run with that. I run with that. I don't let anybody take that away from me. It's become a very important measure. So yeah, if you don't say I am, nobody will say you are. So back to your, to the earlier question about somebody thinking of starting a blog or starting any sort of creative passion, really. If you don't say what it is, if you don't put yourself out there, nobody's going to be able to point to you and say you are that person. So you have to give yourself that vote of confidence first of all and then the village will back you that's the way i see it so yeah claim it and affirm it and watch watch the universe come together on your on on your behalf and in your favor i believe that strongly thank you so much davida for sharing your story i really appreciate it if you all want to keep up with davida you can via social media I am on Twitter and Instagram at Wonders or Wonders. So that's W-O-N-D-E-R-S-O-W-A-N-D-E-R-S. And I'm on Facebook at Wonders of Wonders. And on my website is www.wondersofwonders.com. I'm always open to connecting with, with people, having good conversations and yeah, community. Thank you again, Davida. And if you want to learn more about Davida, definitely check out her show notes on the website, flourishintheforeign.com slash episodes slash Davida. If you are interested in getting one-on-one -on -one help with your moving abroad strategy, I invite you to book a one-on-one -on -one call with me. And in a hurry, because I am going to be discontinuing this service in 2022. So if you're looking for an opportunity to chat with me one-on-one, -on -one, I invite you to do so. I will not be having this service in 2022. So book now, and I hope to chat with you soon. 
So I just completed the Moving Abroad with Intention inaugural cohort, and we just had an absolute wonderful time. Shout out to the inaugural cohort. You guys are so lovely and so wonderful. I really, really appreciate you. And if you want to hear about their experiences in the Moving Abroad with Intention course, please do go check out their testimonials at flourishintheforeign.com slash MAI dash course. Definitely go ahead and check out what they thought of the course. I'm really, really excited, very proud of what we did there. And I will be launching another cohort in 2021, the last cohort in 2021. So if you are interested in developing a solid game plan for your Move Abroad strategy, this is the time to go ahead and sign up. The Move Abroad with Intention course isn't necessarily for if you're going to move abroad next year. In fact, I think what a lot of the cohort members realized and really appreciated it is that taking your time to really have a strategy to really understand what you're wanting to do as you make this big leap abroad will only benefit you. So even if you are five years out, you're two years out, you're a year out, you're six weeks out, six months out, I'd highly encourage you to join the Move Abroad with Intention cohort. It is going to be live again. So that means that you'll be chatting with me every week for five weeks. I say that because it is not always going to be live. I don't know how many times I'm going to do it live, but it's not always going to be live. So if you want to join and chat with me for five weeks, develop your bespoke moving abroad strategy, join in the community of past moving abroad with intention cohort members, please be aware this time around, I'm only going to have one day of pre-sale one day. So if you have not signed up for the email list, you need to go ahead and do it. I'm going to let you know when the pre-sale is for it. And when the pre-sale is over, it is over. Okay. So one day of pre-sale, just know that's what's going to happen. And if you are interested, definitely go ahead and check out the course. You can find it on flourishintheforeign.com. You can even sign up for the wait list if you want to be sure that you know when it's going to drop and join me. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to take the time to mention that I am writing you love letters every Friday. So make sure that you are subscribed to the email list. And if you don't get an email on Friday, feel free to uh, email me and harass me about it. It is my commitment to you. The Flourish Mill Foreign community is to come and to chat with you weekly. If you have not already discovered on the website, I have already launched a blog with some useful tips about living and working abroad. If you would like to be a guest blogger for the Flourish in the Foreign blog, I invite you to check out the submission guidelines and to submit a post. You can find the submission guidelines at flourishintheforeign.com slash guest dash blog dash submission. The link is in the description of this here episode. Thanks so much to Zachary Higgs for producing the music of this here podcast. If you're in need of music for your next creative endeavor, he is definitely your guy. You can find all of his information in the show notes of this episode. And please remember that it's not about getting abroad. 
It's not about being abroad. It's about thriving abroad. So go abroad and cultivate a life well lived. See you next time. Bye. On the next episode of Flourish in the Foreign. And one of the things that um, I discussed with them was how I felt unnecessary. You know, what do you do after everything you've done all your life? It's no more. It's like the rug is pulled out from underneath of you unless you're working. What is there for you to do? Because in life, women are told this is your responsibility. Family, home, and even though we have to work, people don't allow us to be more than mother and wife. It's a societal thing.